We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, another Nets Summer League win behind Cam Thomas. The Nets got the W today, 104-100. How are we feeling, Jack? Killer Cam strikes again. Yeah, I mean, Cam Thomas was on something today. Just really great performance. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, we start with Cam. Mr. Thomas, what else do we say about this man, Nick? 15 points in the fourth quarter. Had another gargantuan game. 11-25 from the field, 3-6 from three. Perfect 11-11 of from the free throw line. 36 points. Had a block. Had a couple of steals. Had a dime. Had a few boards. Dear Lord, like, what else can we say about this kid? Yeah, I mean, they're just, everything was on display, you know, and that's what we've been talking about a lot, you know, over the last couple summer league games, but 36 points, and like you said, Jack, 15 in the fourth, and it was a comeback victory, another big clutch three, and just kind of taking over, very, very consistent at the free throw line, like you mentioned, I know you love that, 11 of 11 there, and then, like, we got a glimpse of just, like, the different elements in which you can score, you know, the mid-range game was on a little bit more today than it probably was in the other games, and we had a couple threes in there, we saw him attack the rim, finish through some contact, there was also a couple really nice passes, there was also some impatient passes where I think he just kind of rushed them, and it led to a turnover, some of that summer league teammates and all that, but Overall, there was just a lot of different layers to this game for Cam Thomas, and it just kind of continues to add to the excitement of, like, what can this guy really be moving forward, given that he's only 19 years old, and he just oozes of potential and talent, especially scoring the basketball. The most points, uh, Vice Sports Center, the most points in a summer league game since 2018, which is just incredible. And, and I mean, we'll we'll put it into context as well, because Michael Scotto put out a, a nice um, ranking, I guess, of the top scorers, uh, in, in rookie summer league history. And th- this game was just immense, Nick. And uh, again, him from the left wing is just yeah. money. And he's just stepping to the left. That's going to be unguardable. And like, he's got that move. When you have an unguardable move, like Jason Tatum has his sort of right side step three. Uh, James Hunt has his step back. Kevin Rand has everything. <laughs> Kyrie Irving has everything else. And yeah, I think what you sort of alluded to, Nick, there was a couple of nice passes. You know, the dump off pass, uh, to Alizé Johnson, I really liked on the drive. Uh, and if you want any of these sort of clips, you know, Nick's got them on there, so you can sort of see them in the context, watch them at the same time as we're sort of discussing it. That that dump-off pass is really nice, sort of splitting the two defenders and not necessarily getting the blinkers and going, okay, I'll just get to the line yep. here. Um, I liked how he creates contact, 
you know, when he's got the defender on his on his back, he's just like, okay, you're there. You're illegally defending me, but I'm going to get some easy money for me because two free throws, free throws are the most, uh, one of the most analytically friendly shots going around. And when you shoot them as well as Cam Thomas does, it's just, it's to quote, you know, Kevin Durant's nickname, it's easy money. Like it's as yeah. simple as that. And um, he just knows how to get to, to the line, knows how to get contact. And that's a skill that is not easy to develop. You know, I've mentioned this before, you know, Paul George has been, you know, a, a, a true superstar in this game. One of the top 10 to 15 players going around is like, well, we want Paul George to drive more. You know, that would get some easy buckets a little bit more. Jason Tatum do the same thing, which he started to do. Cam Thomas is doing this already. And yep. he is playing like a, a goddamn hooper with a capital H-O-O-P-E-R. Yeah, and not only is he willing to kind of create the contact, he does a great job of anticipating bigs, knowing that they need to make up ground and kind of leaning into them at the right time to end up at the line. You know what I mean? And you mentioned, Jack, you know, the one where he kind of backed up into and got the uh, two free throws at the free throw line. You know, that was good stuff. That's a veteran move that you're seeing from a 19-year-old kid is just ability to score the basketball. It honestly feels like he's watched a ton of great scores play. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of get the vibe that he... I don't know if he watches tape, if it's just like watching highlights and different stuff, but kind of adapting to some of those moves. And like you said, you know, the step back is lethal. There's just some different things he can throw in there. And it's just really tough to stop. And he's just a guy, too, when he gets his rhythm and that's something you can do at the free throw line. He just kind of goes up another level like he's just a substantially better player when he's in a rhythm. That's why I think also you see his game kind of progress as the game goes along. Yeah, he turns into absolute cash. You know, he's he's some spare change in the first mm -hmm. quarter or two, uh, but by the end of it, he's a goddamn money machine. And uh, I will say, I've been uh, in our a couple of group chats that we've sort of got going. You know, when I sort of said that you can't teach, you know, the footwork that Cam Thomas and Daron Sharp do have, they did allude to the a couple of guys allude to the fact that you can do that. But I also think that it is an innate knowledge to be able to soak up information. Um, and Cam Thomas is like mentality. Uh, I will say, I'm not sure if you did you see the Instagram from day one sharp earlier in the day as they're sort of like arriving to the facility and stuff. I did not know. It was, it's, it's funny because day one's been, he's been great on Instagram. Obviously we've got like the men in black sort of thing. And um, he's just posted some awesome content. He's walking alongside, um, Cam Thomas, and it's like 102 degrees Fahrenheit, I think it said on, on his post. He's like, man, Cam, it's like hot as hell today. Like, you know, what, what you, it's, like it's hot as hell, man, ain't it? And then Cam's like, yeah. It's just like, it's <laughs> the dry wit. And he's just like, he's just so stoic. I, I love that. But then I just love how Dayron's got this fun sensibility to him as well. Um, just the, these guys uh, are just so easy to root for. And, and, it, and I think that it's funny because one of Cam Thomas's thing heading into the pre-draft was... His overconfidence, his over exude, like his his lack of personality or his personality that would that put off put off some certain recruiters and scouts, and it's just like, man, they're gonna be eating their words right now because look at the way he plays basketball. It's as simple yeah. as that. And I mean, Jordan Ott had a lot of great things to say about him post game, saying that, you know, uh, when he speaks, you know, Cam Thomas is ready to listen and kind of just soak up the information. Also, another note on Cam in this game, I thought there were some better defensive sequences in this game than what we've seen in the past. There's also all the mistakes because, again, he's only 19 years old. But going against Primo, obviously a draft pick that was above him in the draft, I feel like he had a little extra juice kind of trying to knock him off a little bit and have the bigger game. And he did, and his team got the W. I also love that in his post-game interview. 
he's always talking about winning. And I think that's an important factor. Obviously, we're going to see what that's like as he progresses to, you know, the real NBA season. And he has to take on a smaller role. But just a lot of positive stuff. He's also getting a lot of reps doing uh, post-game interviews because what is it, his third one in a row? I mean, he's in a decent situation for winning, Nick. You know, there's not a better organization. (laughs) We've sort of heard, you know, Kevin O'Connor speak about the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are literally the perfect organization for him. Every time he goes on a Ringer podcast, he speaks about the fact that the situation for Cam Thomas in Brooklyn is literally ideal for him. You know, if you're comparing it to, say, like a, a worse team, maybe like the San Antonio Spurs or a team that probably lacks, I guess, maybe like an Orlando Magic or something like that if you discount Jalen Suggs, where it allows just Cam Thomas to be, you take 30 shots a night, be inefficient, whereas he's not going to get those chances because you have guys that will be getting those opportunities that deserve it more. But uh, I think what Cam is showing right now is is, is literally historic, Nick, because via Michael Scotto um, and according to Real GM, the greatest rookie scorers in NBA Summer League history are as follows. Jared Bayless at 29.8 points per game. Donovan Mitchell at 28 points per game. Cam Thomas, killer Cam, clutch Cam at 27 points per game. Uh, and a little guy named Damian Lillard at 26 and a half <laughs> points per game. So, I mean, if you're discounting everyone but Jared Bayless there, uh, it is a uh, pretty positive signs for our dude, killer Cam, Nick. Yeah, and I think you just love the fact he's 19. This is just kind of an early taste of what he can do long as he's kind of on the right track and developing. And we also saw a couple of plays today. You know, I think uh, we mentioned this in, like, we did our draft recap. We've seen a little bit of it in Summer League so far. Just the off-ball movement. There was a really smooth play where he just came off the screen from Sharp, catch and shoot three at the top of the key. Just very fluid and that's something that he can do and that'll complement the superstars you know what i mean i know a lot of people are looking at these games like well he's not gonna be able to do this in the regular season no he's not gonna be able to do this but he's gonna be able to use some of these skills in different ways i also think there was a lot of quick reaction plays today like quick decisions catch the ball in the closeout attack the rim you know make sure you're getting the bucket be decisive of what you're doing sometimes he gets caught in the in-between or sometimes he looks at he doesn't read the defense he'll just kind of go into those two defenders today we saw some of those reads but still Again, still plenty of things to clean up, but 19, and like you said, the situation is really, really good for Cam Thomas. Yeah, third best scorer, third best rookie scorer in summer league history, uh, alongside some incredible. Uh, I actually remember Donovan Mitchell summer league, and I was just like, man, this kid's going to be something. And funnily enough, you know, a guy that's playing with a chip on his sh- played with a chip on his shoulder as yep. well. You know, pick 13, I believe it was, and now he is one of the the premier young guys in the league. Could Cam Thomas, you know, rival that? You know, who knows? But I, that clip that you did allude to, it actually reminded me of Patty Mills. Um, I just saw that, you know, I'm just like, man, it feels like I analyzed this play like a million <laughs> times uh, for Patty Mills because, you know, he gets a big like Jakob Pertl like last year, screening for him, run around the perimeter, hit a three. The thing about Cam Thomas is he does the harder things and makes them look easy, which is going to mean like, you know, the catch and shoots and all those different things that are just like making the right heady plays are going to be a piece of cake for him because they are much easier things to execute on a basketball court. Um, he's still got the number eight and, and he's doing photo shoots now with the number eight. And we saw him in Cam Thomas, um, not Cam Thomas, Darren Sharp, you know, doing some cool photo shoots. I've saved all of those photos uh, to my to my camera roll, but interesting to see. I wonder, I think Paddy's still in Australia, actually, you know, having some beers, having some frothies, uh, wearing the bronze medal, but um, it's just, it, it's cool to see. And I guess a question I wanted to ask you, Nick, just as a general personal observer, what's your favorite thing about watching this kid play? 
Oh man, that's a great question. I mean, just pure enjoyment. I guess it's just the entertaining factor. I'm always a big fan of people breaking guy, breaking guys down on the dribble and getting to the rim. You know what I mean? That's like one of the most efficient things you can do. I think just his ability to kind of catch fire is really fun to watch from just a pure fan perspective. But I think if you're asking me what I think is my favorite thing to watch right now and how it could help the Nets this season, I think it's the off-ball movement and the catch-and-shoot threes. Like, I think that's something he can do and attack some of those closeouts. I think you'll see some struggle early on, maybe a travel here or there or a misread. But as His the first, first of the play was a travel, wasn't it? Nicholas yeah, it was. Play. Yeah. And then you'll see it kind of progress and you'll be like, okay, well, now he's really deadly in that situation because he has such a great handle and what this team needs of him. So I'm excited. I mean, there's just a lot of fun things with this game. But Jack, what about you? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, to quote the great Kevin Durant while he was on some sort of substance picking an all-star team, straight buckets, Nick, simple as that. The yep. dude just knows how to score the basketball and the variety of ways that he can score it is just a joy to watch for a kid of his age and a kid of his stature. You know, the sidestep three is just a, an awesome move to have in your arsenal. I sort of mentioned, you know, I've mentioned on a few times ever since, you know, seeing him play you know, for this team and let alone at LSU, you know, the fact that he can just get to the line, you know, I, I probably would be not be saying that if you know, James Harden probably wasn't our team, but I just think that his uh, efficiency of using his skills, when to use them, and we can tell that he's getting better, Nick. Like, yep. that's the the frightening thing is like, obviously, we don't want this to to over analyze it and you know get caught in the source to say it for the millionth time in this pod but i think it's also just really fun to just be caught in the moment and just enjoy it enjoy it for what it is because I, I feel like cam's doing that you know he's trying to stay level stay grounded and and bring this team wins you know the we we, we joked about our brooklyn Nets summer league championship i mean I, I don't know where they are in the standings and i think they've still got one game to go i think that there's five games i don't know who they're going to be versing i don't think that there's the schedule out just yet um, yeah, so they this year there's no playoff bracket, so it's just the top two teams face for the championship. So oh, right. I I don't think the Nets are going to be able to get there. I think um you know since they lost that one game, shout out Brandon and I, Reggie Perry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know they're not going to get it. Like you said, they might have one more game that's just kind of like an extra game to make up. I'm not really sure exactly. But so far, Jack, just to look at Cam Thomas's numbers, you know, four games, obviously about 29 minutes, 27 points, 42% from the field, 36% from three, 84% from the free throw line, two assists, just under two rebounds and just under four turnovers. And I think it's not extremely efficient, but it's not frightening inefficient. You know what I mean? Like it's average enough efficiency for having that type of production where you're like, okay, those, those are good numbers. 
You know what's funny, Nick, is that I remember looking at that on, on Real GM after his third game, and I think he was at about 32% from three or, or somewhere yeah. in the, the, the low 30. So, look, those sort of numbers are a good NBA player. You know, I think Paddy Mills's field goal percentage isn't that high. D'Angelo Russell's field goal percentage isn't that high. And, you know, he has a similar sort of vein in certain skills. But, you know, you, the efficiency for him is going to be better than both Paddy and D'Angelo Russell because he takes 10 free throws a game. It's not going to happen, obviously, in the, the regular season, but he has that in his bag. Um, and just another... Uh, another great, great player, and you know, obviously, it's just a, an absolute W for the Brooklyn Nets having this guy on their roster. Um, just a, another weapon. Again, give him the six man, give him the rookie of the year, give him all the awards, give him all my love. Killer camp, baby, absolutely clutch. Yeah, and we're gonna do a little summer league recap, uh, you know, at the end of all of this, and kind of evaluate the players and see if anything's really changed on them and our thoughts. So we'll talk about Cam a little bit more. But anything else, Jack, you want to discuss from this game? Look, it was. Uh, I think that it was interesting down the stretch how like Jordan Ott actually wanted to win it, and like you know went with like Bowden and um, and, and other guys and took Darren Sharp off off the floor and was just like, man, we want to win this game. And I, I thought that was a, a an interesting sort of wrinkle from the game overall. Yeah, I liked it. I really do. I think uh, like winning is contagious type of thing, and Jordan Ott wants to win summer league. And like you said, you know, he took Sharp out, went with the switchy lineup, and then he alluded to it, I think, post-game as well, talking about, like, hey, let's get shooters out there to give Cam space. And I think that's also, like, that's been a goal, and I think that's been pretty apparent. Like, the Nets want to put Cam Thomas on display and see what he can do at so many different levels and different, you know, variations of his game and how that works with different players. So, you know... Jordan Ott, I think, has done a really nice job, to be honest. Like, I I don't think it's, like, you know, amazing. Like, he's not going to get a coaching job or anything like that. But in terms of what the Nets needed to see so far in Summer League, I think Jordan Ott's done a nice job. Definitely. Like the fact that it was given the opportunity to do so. You know, rotations, all this sort of thing. You know, we wanted more Cam Thomas minutes. We got a lot of Cam Thomas minutes. We wanted, yep. you know, and I, I like the way that he sort of managed the rotation here and there. It, it was good to see. Uh, another little tidbit, Nick. Um, like some nice moments from uh, Marcus Zegarowski. I thought that he was pretty good yeah. today. Two or three from three. You know, I know that you have sort of been skeptical about his size and ability to create shots for himself, but you know, was the the leader in plus minus for the team plus thirteen. Um, you know, had a dime. You know, rebounded the ball well. Looks again, like I said, looks much bigger than the when I was watching film of him at college. So uh, I think that maybe there's something in for Zegarowski. Yeah, Zigarowski, I thought, you know, had a little pop in this game, kind of helped the Nets get back into it in a nice little bench burst, uh, knocked down a couple threes like you mentioned. You know, he just seems like a gamer, like a guy that's going to make some of those plays. He's going to be a little gritty, stick his hand in there for some rebounds, loose balls, whatever it is. You know, can he develop further and turn into one of these, like, undrafted guys that's an NBA player? I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. I'm not sure it's going to be with the Nets. I think he'll probably end up with the G League team and they'll develop him a little bit more. And I think at some point he'll probably get an NBA call up if he kind of continues to excel. But there's some potential there. It's not like, you know, game breaker or anything like that, but he could develop into an NBA rotation player possibly. Like I wouldn't yeah. rule it out. I'm not going to bet on it either. No, it's, it's like we sort of said, you you want the glimpses. And you yep. know, these guys, at this point in time, it's a, it's different what you're looking from Zegarowski, from Raycon Gray, from Kessler Edwards. The, these guys are the second rounders um, and, and young prospects in comparison to, you know, Brandon Knight, Reggie Perry and that sort of thing. But um, any other things you, I guess, wanted to touch on, Nick, you, you probably, you dived pretty deep on, on all these sort of games, things that stuck out to you that, that we haven't touched on? 
Yeah, Kessler Edwards today, not as, you know, productive, but I thought the defense was still there. It looked like he got a little dinged up, and that's probably why he didn't play much in the second half. You know, I think it was just like a minor limp. It didn't seem like anything serious. I'm um, going to Alizé Johnson. This is my favorite Alizé game of Summer League so far. I feel like he just had a different it factor. The numbers aren't even amazing, but I just felt him on the court a lot more. I think defensively he played with a little bit more enthusiasm as well. So 13 points, 14 rebounds, five offensive, two assists, one steal, one block, 5'11 from the field. Put up two threes, missed them, but I'm still happy he put up the threes because that's what he has to do. So Alizé, I thought this was a plus game for him. Yeah, no, it's it's good that we sort of saw some increased moments from Alizé. You know, the energy was was utilized in in, in a, I think a, a more productive fashion, uh, I would sort of say. And um, good to, to hear and and see you know that, that he was um, using all of the the tools that he does have in terms of his athleticism, you know, his headiness, his experience um, to have a real impact on the game. Yeah, I think this was a really nice game for him. And obviously, I think he'll be fighting for his roster spot in training camp. But this at least left the Nets with a, a you know a good taste in their mouth after this one. But De'Ron Sharp, I felt like there was obviously the rebounding is always a plus for him. There were some nice finishes inside, set some good screens. But defensively, he looked slower in this game. Maybe it's something the Spurs were doing and they kind of got him in space a little bit more. And I think that just adds to a little bit of the concern about you know, how's he going to be against, you know, NBA level offensive guards in that drop or whatever the Nets are going to run with him? Because he just he's just not quite quick enough. And it's obviously his positioning isn't quite amazing. And I think his athleticism could use, you know, a little boost. Obviously, I don't know if he's going to be able to improve his vert. That'd be something that'd be pretty impactful for him. But just getting kind of quicker and a little bit more agile is a big thing for Dayron Sharp to be a good defender in the NBA. You know, I think with where he's currently at, he could be you know, average to mediocre possibly, but he needs to improve that foot speed because it it does feel like he gets lost in space sometimes, and then that can lead to fouls. Yeah, I think that he is uh, he's obviously made some some big strides in terms of where he is in terms of you know his body and and his composition yep. because you know, what was it twenty five pounds that he lost you know yep. heading into a, a lot of the the camps and, and and a lot of the sort of workouts and such. So he's going to continue to hone it. And, you know, he's going to be under the tutelage um, and guidance of, of an organization that knows how to give him the best meal plans, give him the best weight plans and, and, and make sure that, you know, he gets the, the tutoring, the tutoring that he's going to get um, is going to be, you know, second to none. So uh, I'm intrigued to see. And, and hopefully, um, you know, because we, we love what he gives. There's just a, an energy. You know, we, we sort, of, sort of spoke about Alizé Johnson and the fact that, you know, Daron Sharp is still one of the best rebounders and is the best rebounder in the draft. Yeah. And that's not just me saying that. That's all the draft experts saying that. So he's going to provide a skill to the Brooklyn Nets next season and to the NBA. It's about what he can do on top of that that's going to separate him, like you mentioned, Nick. Yeah, and I think like it's not to say that he can't do that and that he can't develop into those things. And obviously there are other pluses to his game. It's just he's a rookie, and this is something he needs to work on. And like we said, you know, I think on a previous show, it's a little easier to hide a, a bad guard defender on the floor than it is to hide a bad big defender because they're just going to get put into every single action, and it's harder to give them help if they're not able to kind of match up with the opposition. Yeah, it's just the nature of, of how basketball game, yeah. plays. Simple as that, but Nick... Uh, do we want? I've got a couple of little news points here that I haven't necessarily brought to you, and um, might might be a little bit surprised by them. But do you mind if I uh, throw a few at you? 
Yeah, I just want to say uh, David Duke, I thought another solid game, you know, didn't play as many minutes, just kind of, you know, role player stuff, not anything that super popped off the screen, but just kind of consistent. Jordan Bowden um, tried to put up a lot of shots today, hit some big ones, kind of had a little bit more spark than we've seen him in the past. And Raekwon Gray, like, seems like such a fun player. You know, I don't, I'm not sure he has the NBA skill to get in the NBA, but, you know, develop in the G League and see what can happen. Because there's just something about his game that just is really fun to watch just because he, he's such a unique player. Yeah, he, I just like seeing him with the ball in his hands. It's just, there's an, there's an, an energy, you know, yep. around it when he's got the basketball in his hands. But a player that we didn't see uh, any minutes from today, Nick, was Reggie Perry. And, you know, he's qualifying offer uh, was rescinded uh, by the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that was first reported by uh, Alex Schiffer of The Athletic. So um, I'm I'm intrigued to to see what it sort of happens there. What are your thoughts, I guess, on, on this news? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, typically what teams do, like they'll send out the qualifying offer and they could always rescind it at any point. The Nets wanted to see maybe if Reggie took strides and they let him play a little summer league. And he probably didn't hit their expectations because he didn't play very well. You know, there's just kind of this in-between to his game. You're not really sure what he can be or what he can develop to. And if he truly has, you know, an NBA center body. So I think the Nets saw enough from Reggie Perry in terms of, you know, summer league to understand that he's not going to get one of those roster spots. They're going to probably give it to, you know, somebody else given the actual roster spots on the NBA roster and then the two-way stuff. I think they'd rather give it to Kessler Edwards or possibly in David Duke, or maybe there's another guy they're eyeing from somebody else's summer league team that might not get that two-way deal. So I think Reggie Perry really just didn't do enough. And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, shit on the guy or anything like that. He just needs to work on his game and get better if he wants to have an NBA career, just because there's obviously deficiencies there that he has to make up for just given to some of his physical limitations. Yeah, it's not to say that he can't be back with the Nets because, you know, we've seen teams, we've seen offers and, you know, still get back on the roster. I think, you know, Corey Joseph had some other players in Detroit. You know, that that's what happened with them. It's just the the nature of the, the, the fluid nature, I guess, of the roster composition. And um, via Brian Lewis, uh, Nick, who, who asked the question of Jordan Nott in terms of the, the status, um, and Jordan Nott said this, we just want to leave that to Sean Marks uh, and Steve. I'll say this, he is here, he's practicing, he's a Brooklyn Nerd, he's part of our summer league team. We coached him just like any other person on our team. We came here to get better. He got better. We all got better. We're going to continue to coach him every day. That's what we're all signed up to do. He's a Brooklyn Net right now, and we'll continue to coach him. So I guess uh, not a lot there from uh, Jordan, but you don't expect it because, you know, Sean and, and Steve Nash are the ones behind the scenes are probably know a little bit more. And uh, I think Sean Marks isn't going to be as forthright in uh, probably his reasoning with this one than he was with uh, the big three and their extensions. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And I think obviously that's kind of like you said, what you expect from Jordan Ott. And I think uh, Reggie Perry can still sign with the Long Island team. You know, other teams can sign him from there too. But see what happens with him. Not super surprised, just given what the Nets need on their roster and, you know, what was Reggie Perry really going to do next season for the Nets? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Nick, we might see, is Lance Stevenson going to take his spot? Oh. <laughs> just a immediate reaction. Oh. oh, man. I was trying to push Jack that we didn't have to talk about this. No, um, I mean, you know, Lance wasn't great his last NBA stint. You know, maybe there's still something there. He's only 30 years old. So I don't want to, like, completely destroy him and say that, like, no, there's no chance he's going to be back in the NBA. Obviously, he's done some things off the court that are not great, and we're not going to really discuss that, but that'd be a reason that you wouldn't want him on the team. And also just kind of the sporadic nature of his personality to an extent in his play. 
And also, like, he doesn't shoot threes well. So, like, what is he really doing well for the Nets? The Nets don't need playmaking from Lance Stevenson. They don't need his scoring, and they don't need, you know, his inconsistent defense. Yeah, I like that you also mentioned uh, that he's still young at 30 years old. Makes me feel good about being a 30-year-old as well. But uh, Scott Agnes said this on Twitter, and he said that what um, Lance Stevenson uh, has been highlighting in his workouts is the following. Maturity, eagerness to be the vet on a team, help out the young guys in good shape, do whatever it takes to win. Um, I'll believe it when I see it from Lance. I know that Corey Waldron of Full Access Hoops in the outlet probably isn't liking us uh, shitting on Lance Stevenson, but I don't think he's a good NBA player. I don't think he's... Um, he can provide anything to the Brooklyn Nets, and maybe this was just some sort of favor, uh, agency That's favor. What That's what it, I think it is. Yeah, because we did see, you know, Chris Haynes do the initial reporting, and you know, Sean Marks is uh, he's always he's always good when it comes to managing relations around the league with other GMs, with agents. He seems to always take care of his guys when it comes to like you know, giving them, you know, making sure that if their contract ends at a certain day and that money is guaranteed, all those sort of little things. Um, he. And, you know, obviously the Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, how that sort of played out, you know, obviously, again, making sure that you know, their guys are, are the ones being taken care of. Yeah, and I also think you could look at it, too, as like, you know, if somebody were to get hurt and they need to fill out a roster spot, they want to have the scouting report on what Lance Stevenson can do. Like, you still have to do your diligence, you know what I mean? Maybe he is in amazing shape. Maybe he is, you know, great looking right now and he's knocking down threes or something like that. So, you something else to just for the front office to have in their notes or in whatever their, you know, their database. Yeah, it's probably just on like their iPhone notes rather than like on a specific <laughs> official database. But um, one final thing, Nick, is, and this caused... For some reason, Fural, I don't understand why. Um, maybe it's because of where I currently am in, in Melbourne, Australia, and, and the status of our vaccinations and mask policies and all this sort of thing. But Barclays Centre apparently is going to require all employers and guests to be vaccinated, and they updated their mask policies as well. Uh, the full statement uh, from the Brooklyn Nets, obviously on the Barclays Centre website, um, this was a little bit of a tidbit from it. In accordance with the mandate re recently announced by and uh, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio will soon be requiring all employees, all employees and guests at Barclays Center to be fully vaccinated. Beginning Monday, September 13, individuals ages 12 and up will be required to show proof of at least one vaccine dose. We've heard from our fans that requiring vaccination is important to them, and we want to provide the safest possible environment for all employees and guests at Barclays Center. Please visit our fax page for any additional questions. Uh, is this any anything to even... Talk about Nick. I mean, we're not anti-vaxxers on, on the Brooklyn bus, so. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm vaccinated. Obviously, you got you know, some of your vaccine almost done. And um, when I went to Barclays for game two against the Bucks, I believe it was like 98% of the crowd was vaccinated. You know, it was just a small section. And obviously, I'm not a scientist and I'm not trying to have a political debate with anybody. But obviously, this seems like what's going to be happening moving forward. And that's just a way for people to feel more protected and things along those lines. And obviously the goal is to keep everyone safe, not only the fans, but also the players, the coaches, the staff in Barclay Center. So, and I mean, I think this is going to be something you see pretty common across all sports within the next year or so. You know what I mean? It just makes a lot of sense, especially based off of, you know, how of some governments and some states are going to run with it. So no surprise, really. I mean, not at all. Yeah, the, the Sacramento Kings made a similar announcement. The Golden State Warriors made a similar announcement. Yep. Um, Live Nation um, made a similar announcement as well. It's funny watching the EPL, the English, English Premier League over the weekend. I don't think that they have the same status in terms of mask wearing. And I think that that's what a lot of people were you know, toing and froing about, which is like, 
just like what why is it so inconvenient like it's it's not that big of a deal like yep you can pull it down when you're drinking your beer or whatever or you're having some maybe food will be allowed i don't really know but i think this is a good thing because it, it just shows that and we probably won't have to have like nick wrong going to games and like highlighting the non-vaccinated section yep. and saying that where's the crowd at msg like this blah, blah, blah. it's just like um, but yeah, I thought that I think this is a good thing, um, and um, I, I think it's a really positive thing. Joe Sy knows what's going on, um, and obviously they're going to be following the, the correct protocols and guidelines. And hopefully, in the coming weeks and months, we see a downplay in, in what's happening around the world. I know it's for those listening in Australia right now. Um, you know, full shout out to you guys. Hopefully, everyone's taking care of their mental and, and everyone else and being good to each other and everyone else around the world that's continued to be affected by the virus because it seems to me that it's. It's been a news point for the past 18 months or so. So just take care of each other. Take care of yourselves, guys. Uh, that's the main thing. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, just kind of keep everyone safe. And, you know, and that goes for, you know, fans, players, your listeners, whatever, <laughs> anybody in the world, you know, that's the goal here. But, uh, Jack, anything else you want to jump into? Obviously, we don't know when the Nets are going to play their fifth game yet. Uh, it looks like it'll probably be on Tuesday, I believe. And we'll probably get that finalized schedule tomorrow. Uh, we're damn sickos, Nick. We'll probably be recapping that. Um, and we've got some some things coming. And if you are a, a designer of some sort, graphic design, illustrator, and you have interest in con- collaborating with the Brooklyn Buzz, hit me up. Hit Nick up on, on Twitter, at the JMNJBT, at, at Nick underscore Faye. Um, and, you know, we've got some things popping. Yes, that's we do. And like you said, Jack, will be recapping probably the next summer league game, giving you guys some more offseason stuff. But as always, a pleasure, Jack. And big thanks, to everybody, for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.